What's up, everybody? Welcome into the locker room. This is a Dynasty Fantasy Football Experiment. Uh, we just got done with our quarterback segment, breaking down our tiers as far as uh, the top 12. Sean Pomeroy is a great conversation. We're going to we're gonna highlight rookies. This is rookie season. I feel like I talk about rookies all day, every day. It's a little tiring, so I brought in somebody, the newest member of the staff, uh, somebody whose opinion I respect, and I can call him dog shit, and he just, he just rolls with it. Um, but Bradley Stickler, my man, how's it going, buddy? Hey, sometimes I like dog shit. What is it? I, I mean, I don't know what to say about it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Burgundy my, eats cat poop. I think I can eat a little cat poop, man. That, that's right. I, if if I can even be in the same area as Ron Burgundy, I'm okay with that. It doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk more rookies and I'm super excited. I, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, it's real nice for you to say, but he's in it. He's not a guest. He's in it. Uh, welcome to the newest member of the locker room. This is as nice as I'm ever going to be because I'm about to tell you you're an idiot. Uh, but today we're going to cover quarterbacks and then the running back position. We're going to come back at you with the tight end, which is pretty much three deep. It's really one guy. Uh, but at some point in the third or fourth, you're going to want to take a shot on one of these tight ends, especially these tight end premium leagues we all have become infatuated with. So we'll do tight ends and then the wide receiver tiers are deep and when i say deep i don't mean that there's a shit ton of talent i just mean that there's two or three guys at the top and then the rest of them i have a tough time uh weeding between so we're going to spend a whole pod pretty much talking about that in three tight ends but today quarterbacks and running backs so let's start at the top man we're going to go off my rankings and he's just going to have to deal with it because he's a new guy so it's my order uh and he will give his tidbits and i i recommend that you pay attention uh take notes because there's a lot of stats there's a lot of metrics uh, but there's actual analysis. He actually watches the film. He breaks it down in his own way. Uh, he's very open with me that he's he's new-ish to watching film. And he's like three years deep. He's still newer. He's still more of a vet than that guy that that you listen to on Twitter on a daily basis. But he is still learning. And so um, it's really nice and refreshing to hear somebody explain his process when I explain mine. And, and so that's why we got together. So let's jump right in here, Brad. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Quarterback one on uh, the TLR rankings until further notice. Is Trevor Lawrence. So why don't you give me your opinion about Trevor Lawrence weighing at 220, 6'6, he's 21 years old. And we all know his name, man. Yeah. Five star recruit, played as a rookie or played as a freshman, played as a sophomore, played as a junior. Uh, great stats. Uh, he can do everything. He can rush the ball. He can see the field. Uh, the one thing that you kind of saw this year with him was a little bit of accuracy issues, but I, I, I'm not too concerned with that because you didn't see those issues in the first couple of years. Uh, so I, I think some of his, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of playing with injury or coming off of an injury this year may have had a little bit to do with that. But, I mean, he's a clear one-on-one. I, I, I don't know that anybody's going to argue with anyone who says that ever. Uh, and, and I don't know that there's really a whole lot to say about him, to tell you the truth. Well, I'm going to say a little more than that. At 6'6", 220 is the requisite size. I mean, you cannot teach size. Uh, he's got the rushing upside. We've seen it all the time. People say he's not a scrambler, but he'll take it if it's there, and he's going to take 20, 30 yards if it's there. Uh, he gouges defense on the regular. He played in the ACC, so you can maybe put a little damper on that, but not everybody plays against ACC competition. Honestly, I don't think the SEC is everything it's cracked up to be. I'm not saying it's not a lead. I'm not saying it's not a little bit better, but, hey, Dude, there are people on every conference that practice. Every defensive coordinator tries to scheme this guy out of his out of his rhythm. And I think a little bit of his junior year, because coming out as, as a junior, so he skipped his senior year. Um, he's just trying to go win the game, man. He he won it as a freshman. He got knocked out in the title game as a sophomore. He knows he's going to the finals, um, or or at least going to the playoffs as a junior. And and he loses T. Higgins to the draft and Justin Ross. Uh, 
you know, to injury. So when Amari Rogers is your number one wide receiver in college football and you're the best quarterback in the world and or, or in college football and you're trying to make a dent and go win games where you're going to see people kind of overextend themselves to that. No, 31, 53, 24 TDs and five picks. It's still pretty good. Uh, and he's got a, he's got serious rushing upside with compiling almost a thousand yards and 18 touchdowns in three years of college production. But there is one guy that people will debate um, because it's go ahead, Brad. Yeah, no, I was going to say, not, you know, you talk about Justin Ross being hurt, losing T. Higgins. Amari Rogers is his, is his top wide receiver. And he still posted the best completion percentage of his career this year. Right. He still was damn near 68% completion percentage, which is three or four ticks above what he was last year. He had a great no pressure grade. He had great pressure grade. The guy can just see the field. He can call blitzes. He he knows what coverage it looks like. He just he's just too freaking good. He's just too fucking good. I, I don't even know why I said freaking. It's because he's got me all hot and bothered right now. And, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. The 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 fact that the guy can go out on the field with really nobody and put up the numbers that he put up this year is still unparalleled. And, and I don't know that you can, you can compare him to anybody else in the field right now. Yeah. I was just trying to be nice. Cause you said he had accuracy concerns, even though he had the highest completion percentage. I was going to skim that, but well, here we go. So there's one person that's going to be in the same breath as him that is going to be debated, especially on Twitter, especially this time of year. You'll see people put people at different roster spots or different draft spots. And then when it gets down to them on the clock, uh, moment of truth. Um, so we're going to start at the moment of truth. But there's one guy, same breath, since high school, going into college, five-star recruit, number two quarterback. Uh, wasn't a pro-style quarterback, more of a scrambling guy. He goes to Georgia, has to transfer to Ohio State. That is not something you love, uh, but it is, it's not a death sentence. And that is Justin Fields. He's 6'3", 227, um, 21 years old. So he is a little um, – he's the same age, a little shorter, a little heavier. Uh, and Justin Fields in his two, year, his two years was outstanding. And so in sophomore year, 41 and three, that's just – that's great. It's fantastic. And this year, 22 and six, but he had limited games because the Big Ten opted in, then they opted out, then they opted in. Uh, and Ohio State was pretty much the front runner because they wanted to make sure that their guy, Justin, got his draft capital. The beauty of Fields is that uh, the beauty of Lawrence is that we know where he's going. He's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Justin Fields is anywhere between the two and the sixth spot. He could land for the Jets um, or he could get traded somehow to Houston or he could end up. Um, down there in Carolina, he's been rumored too. So there's a lot more question marks here. But Justin Fields is a phenomenal talent. Uh, he's outstanding. He's got arm strength. He's got that rushing upside. Um, my problem with him is his ability to see the field, which we just kind of mentioned. So the the knack, but like the knock on Trevor is that his guys are always open. When I watch Justin Fields with his huge games, his guys are wide open, and somehow that's not a knock on him. So it's a little annoying to me. Um, but he, he has a little difficulty hitting the slant routes. He's a little difficulty hitting the timing routes. Uh, but he knows this. So at the end of his sophomore campaign, he could have gone to the NFL. He probably would have been a top 10 pick. A lot of teams would have rather had him last year. I'm sure Jordan Love wouldn't have gone to the Packers if Justin Fields was still in the draft. Um, but he knew he wasn't ready. He needed more reps. He wanted more reps. He wants to be great. He's going to aspire to, to be great. He's got that Russell Wilson-esque um, kind of mindset to him where he's going to be the best that's ever been. And so he went back to school and I commend him for that. So um, Justin Fields is my one Oh two. Sorry. My second quarterback off the board. It really depends on your settings, but the second quarterback in my rankings, uh, tell me a little bit about Justin Fields. 
Yeah, I mean, he's the second quarterback in my rankings as well as five-star recruit. Uh, excellent his sophomore year and his junior year. Uh, again, another one of those guys you see is his accuracy shine. Uh, you see his completion percentage at a, an all-time high his junior year. And he's never really been anything other than really accurate throwing the ball. Now, you know, you alluded to some processing issues with him, but I think it's more – a, a function of the offense that they're running in Ohio State, right? They're running a lot of RPO, which people will knock him and say, oh, he's a one-read quarterback. Well, guess what, dipshit? That's because they run an RPO, and it's a one-read system, right? You, you either hand the ball off or you throw to your first read. Like, that's the design of the play. But if you see design plays where he is supposed to go through progression, he does that. Now, he may not be the fastest guy in it, but he's still really, really good at it. And in a lot of the metrics, if you're a metric kind of person, he's rated higher in some of those metrics and a lot of those metrics than Trevor Lawrence is in some of them. So, yeah. And to your point, with the one read when you're running an RPO, there's three reads in an RPO. Just for those that don't know, it's not you just hand it off, throw it to that guy. You're staring at the safety. You're staring at two different linebackers, and you're and you're giving your offensive line specific um, blocking assignments. Especially if you or you decide you want to throw it, they can't just all go to the right because then suddenly you have a limited amount of time. I'm a big Tua Tungavaloa fan too, and I want to bring him up because we watched him struggle out there in Miami because they tried to run the RPO in the pro style, right? And it's it's just not going to work. Okay, so it takes too long, and so he's trying to pull it out and jam it in there. And so he struggled a little bit at times and you saw him go three and out a few too many times or, or get stalled out right around the 50 instead of plugging into the 35. So the, the knocks against Justin Fields are his ability to translate to the NFL. And I think that's a very real knock. I cannot wait to see. I wish there was a combine so we, I, we could watch him break down tape and hit that whiteboard. That is my biggest indicator of um, intellect as far as a quarterback position is being able to hit the whiteboard. That's why Jalen Hurts was so high on my board last season because he his lingo and how he sounded they didn't love the scouts didn't love the coaches didn't love but his intel and his information and his ability to process was dynamite second to none so um, Justin Fields is an intriguing process people will say or prospect people will say he has a higher ceiling but a lower floor and I think that's a cop out uh, both their ceilings are sky high uh, I'm just going to take the guy that's a winner that I know where he's going and so it's really not that close between Justin and uh, Trevor is there anything you want to tell me about Justin before we move on yeah, so the only other thing is a lot of people are going to talk about his his bad game against Indiana and how, uh, you know, the Indiana offense. Yeah, the, well, the Indiana game was just as bad, right? Ty Freifogel made their defense look terrible. Justin Fields looked bad. He turned the ball over, I believe, three times. But you got to think about what situation he was in, and he had no Chris Olave. Uh, I don't believe Trey Sermon playing in that game. Don't quote me on that. But he was playing with basically none of his offense in that game. It was it was a rough go for him. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh, you got to you got to realize that the competition that he was playing Indiana was a, a good team at that point in time in the year. They were pretty highly ranked and he, he just didn't have any weapons to to go to so uh, I, I wouldn't put too much weight into some of those games when you have a whole body of work and people just look at one game and say well this is why you don't like Justin Fields like come on well, two game. games Everybody Again, it's Northwestern. Game. I do want to highlight <laughs> that that they played a limited schedule I think they only played like eight games this season and they didn't even get to practice all the time the team couldn't even get together they couldn't have team dinners everything was disjointed and for you to be able to overcome that you got to be something special I think he did so on a very real stage, man. I mean, he beat Clemson in the semis. I don't think they had any right to be in the playoffs, but there they were, and they won that game. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Clemson had less tape on Ohio State. Ohio State had more tape on Clemson. And 
And, uh, but the lack of practice reps, the lack of reps in general, which is why I went back to school, is going to throw you off in some of those big games, especially when Indiana and Northwestern, I mean, Indiana, that's their Super Bowl. And Northwestern, is, it essentially was the Super Bowl. Northwestern believed if they had won that game, that they were going to get in to the college football playoffs, which I'm sure some big wig somewhere was going to put a stop to and find, find a way to squeak Baylor or Auburn or some crap hole in there but because everybody hates the Big Ten. But um, he did show up in the right moments. And, yeah, he's got, he's got accuracy. He's got athleticism. Yeah, Compton Russell Wilson. Uh, so that pretty much says it all, right? Yep, absolutely. Moving on here to my third. Now, the th- three, four, and five guys can be debated until the cows come home. And you know what? I'm probably going to debate them until I'm right up on the clock because a lot of this has to do with draft capital and landing spot and what you perceive as upside and what you perceive as NFL ready and, and how highly you tote athleticism. I mean, we, we see the greatest of all time in Tom Brady and his 40 time. It looks like he's kidding. Okay, we see some other guys that come out and light the world on fire uh, <laughs> athletically. It looks like a joke. He comes out and lights the world on fire athletically, and he just they're not up to snuff. So athleticism at the quarterback position, although it's a luxury, it's not a necessity. Uh, but third on my list here is a little love joy for me. This is Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. He's only 20 years old. He's a little younger. He's 6'4", 227. He's got the size. He's got a cannon like just a cannon arm. I mean, you talk about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert being smash plays a couple of years ago because you can get them a little little later in uh, drafts. It's be- the reason that they were drafted. I mean, Herbert, um, he was a little bit easier to, to scout. Uh, Where did he go? Oregon? Oregon, yeah. Okay, and, and then you got um, out of Montana, which that was a little tougher uh, because he played at Montana. But same kind of thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Josh Allen. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that apparently because that's where my brain is going. So Josh Allen at Montana had a difficulty with his completion percentage. He threw some picks when I watched the film. It's because his dudes weren't open. He was trying to win games. I mean, he's the big man on campus. He knows NFL scouts are watching him. He's trying to do big things. And so you're gonna have to give the guy a shot sometimes. You only have two and a half seconds, a three and a half second route. Your guy isn't quite open. You put it up there. You hope you can go get it. Trey Lance, on the other hand, out of North Dakota State, kind of the same situation. You're the big man on campus. You need to go win the game. 28 touchdowns, no picks. Um, he, he ran for another 16 TDs. I think that's 44 TDs and no picks. And his only start as a sophomore. Now, he did play an exhibition game, which was great because we got to see him come out this year as a junior. 15 for 30 for a buck 43, two touchdowns and a pick. That is not great. He threw his first interception. You could tell he was trying not to before that, hence the completion percentage. And after that, he did lead his team to victory in that game. Uh, North Dakota State hadn't lost a game in like damn near three years. We watched them play spring ball. They've already lost one. So Trey Lance was a big part of that. Uh, there's no one else on that team that I know is entering the NFL. I'm sure there's like a linebacker or a tackle somewhere that's going to be drafted in the seventh round. But um, as far as on my radar, it, it's him. It's him. So Trey Lance is a physical specimen. Uh, he's got the rushing upside. I mean, 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns. He ran the ball, you know, uh, almost two-thirds as many times as he threw it. So it, it's not all run design, though. So if he sees it's there, he takes it. And when you're playing fantasy football, not real NFL, you want that. You want your guy to get the bootleg. And instead of forcing it in to whoever it is, uh, you want him to just go ahead and take those easy yards and those easy points. Trey Lance seems like the kind of guy that can do that. His size, uh, he's going to be hard to break down like like, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and he's going to run like Cam Newton. So I, again, comp this man to Cam Newton. You can check out our rookie cards on www.tlrdynastyff.com. And I'm really high. I'm really bullish on Trey Lance, and I cannot wait to see his landing spots. What are your feelings, man? 
Yeah, I mean, he's my QB five, and I'll I'll tell you these three, four, and five guys, as you alluded to, are are really close for me as well. I would say the one thing, and this has always been something for me, I struggle with guys who only have one year of production. So that one year of production makes me look a little bit closer at their tape and be a little bit more nitpicky because I don't have as much information. But when you look at the tape, right, you talked about him having a monster arm, and he does. And typically with guys who have a monster arm, they struggle wanting to use the check down. But he doesn't. He uses the check down quite often. And, and I could argue that it's almost too much, right? He's unwilling to give his guys a chance and he just takes what's given, which isn't a bad thing when you are a young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience and you just take what's given, right? Instead of trying to monster the ball down the field, because you know, you have the arm to throw it 70 yards. Uh, You know, so you got a guy who's got a one-year starter, big arm, takes the check down. He's really good in his progression. Uh, He's not afraid of contact when he does run, uh, but he's smart about it, right? And I've talked about this a little bit before in another pod. Uh, A lot of times you got guys who will take hits that they should not take. And Trey Lance will take hits that he knows he can take and win. And then he'll slide or he'll get out of bounds on hits that he knows he can't manage, right? So he's smart with his contact. Um, his accuracy at times is a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, and and that coupled with his weird kind of arm angle or arm action that he's got, um, a lot of people have weird arm action. So it's not like I'm going to knock him three spots down because of that. Uh, but there are some things that, you know, you'll see NFL scouts kind of knock him on. And you got to take those with a little bit of grain of salt, right? Because they're looking at it from a prototypical motion. You can almost think of it as a golf game. A lot of people play really good golf but they have totally different swings than one another. It's the same thing with football, right? A lot of guys throw the ball a totally different way, but are still able to deliver it accurately and on time. Um, and and I think he has those tools. But like I said, it's just that one-year production that makes me gives me hesitation to move him above some of these guys, like a Mac Jones, for instance, who's who's produced for more than just that year. Jones hardly produced for more than a year the hell are you talking about because he got like four starts bradley brad it's more than one season your personal agenda more than one on the pegboard it's more than once okay well this guy had an exhibition game so we saw that i mean it's the same amount of (laughs) and it wasn't good it was it was great and it wasn't good it was a win damn it it was a w Uh, uh but yeah he's a rare prospect uh there's no denying it. He's one of those guys that if, if he goes to Carolina, all of a sudden he's the hot commodity. If he ends up in San Francisco, people are going to really love that. And if he ends up, you know, trying to back up somebody like in um, Pittsburgh or something, and, and somehow they get their hands on him, you're not going to like him as much or, or the giants. And then he's in a competition. So he's an interesting fella. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me that he is projected to be in the top 10 and Jalen Hurts was not. And it's kind of what you kind of what you alluded to. The NFL doesn't give a damn how long you did it. They care about what you can do when you get there. And they believe in this young man. And I have a tough time not. Okay. Next up on the list here, man, we got the the man with all the swagger, Zach Wilson, 21 years old, 6'3, 209. Uh, he's got multiple years of production, which I know Bradley just loves, but really he only had one really good year. 33 touchdowns, three picks, 2692. He made BYU relevant. Okay, he put them on the map. Suddenly I was seeing them on primetime. I was seeing them on television, which normally I never get to see BYU unless it's a bowl game. Uh, He's got the arm strength. He's got a little bit of rushing upside. In three years, he he ran for like 15 touchdowns, okay? Um, My problems with him, 
are uh, he alluded to the arm angles of Trey Lance. I think this guy leans on his athleticism, athleticism a little too much. Okay. His pocket presence is not there. His feet are not under him. And I think that's really going to ruin him at the next level. Uh, he's still my QB five or my QB four here. Um, but I, I'm worried about him. Okay. He screams Drew Locke to me. He screams Drew Locke to me. And so it's, it's early. It's, it's March. We're going to keep, you know, trying to check these guys out and uh, see how they grow. But I was nice in my comp, and I, I comped him with another guy that's got a cannon arm that leans way too much on his athleticism that had an MVP caliber season a couple of years ago that's kind of fallen out of grace. Carson Wentz, because he's that guy that's going to try and extend the play. He's going to try and do mo- too much. He's going to try and force it into small windows. Most windows in the NFL are small. Okay. Most plays are broken, especially when you're on a bad team and he's projected to go number two to the jets. Um, so that could, that could be a saving grace and it could just feed him to the wolves and he could dry out. So Zach Wilson's a little bit of an anomaly to me. I want to put my boy Mac Jones over him. I just can't because going number two overall locks you in to a few years to try and figure it out. And with Robert Sala there, and you got to assume they're going to get some sort of weapons. And then if they don't, then he has an excuse. And I, I just expect, especially in super flex, league, super flex leagues, that this man will have an opportunity much longer, uh, a much longer leash than some of the guys behind him. Yeah, for me, he's my QB three right now. Um, and part of that is around you see continued improvement as as he spent more and more time in college you see all of the tools and traits that he has. So you kind of compared him to Drew Locke. I'm going to go polar opposite, and I'm actually going to compare or kind of combine two quarterbacks that I really like. And one is kind of a homer, and that's Baker Mayfield. And mainly that's because of Zach Wilson's rushing. So he's not a guy who looks to rush. He's not a good rushing quarterback. He's not a Trey Lance type guy, but he's a guy who will move out of the pocket and will take what the defense gives him similar to a Baker Mayfield type of uh, situation, but he's got the arm talent of a Matthew Stafford. He can throw at different arm angles. He can throw off balance. He can just flick the ball downfield so easily. And it reminds me of Matt Stafford. So to me, he kind of takes those traits that Baker Mayfield has in his ability to kind of rush, but not be good at it really. And also be able to flick the ball downfield like a Matthew Stafford I really love that in a quarterback a guy who will just take what the defense gives him and rush the ball if he needs to or or take the deep ball uh you know he's pin point accurate I love everything that I saw about the guy he can get out he's uh you know he can get out of pressure but he doesn't see blindside pressure all the time, which worries me a lot, dependent, especially if he goes to the Jets. There's a chance that he's going to see a lot of blindside pressure, and I worry about how he's going to respond to that. Does he have the timing that he needs to have to make sure he doesn't have a lot of sack fumbles? So I worry a little bit about that. But everything that I watch from the guy from a talent perspective uh, is top-notch for me. So that's why he's my QB3 uh, as of right now. Yeah, we, we alluded to three, four, five are going to swap words for everybody. I mean, they swap on me almost daily. Um, I've still got a Trey Lance affiliation, and, and, you know, I just love the man. But I do like what you brought up. The one big positive for the Jets is their left, their left tackle, uh, Becton. He's going to give this man time, and they can grow together. No, he's a fantastic top 10 left tackle. That man 
is outstanding. It might not matter because the left guard and the center and the right guard and the right tackle might just fall <laughs> down before the snap. Who knows? Uh, but blindside pressure, he does have an opportunity there. And another guy, you kept talking about my boy, Matt Stafford, huge Lions fan. Uh, another guy that just does everything wrong, but yet it's oh so right, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. He's yep. got that flick to him. You know, his process is fucked. It's awful. Okay. But he's pinpoint accurate. He can do it from any spot. He can be falling off his back foot and still lay it out there. Um, people are going to talk about him with, with, with Patrick Mahomes. I just wish people would just forget that man's name. And if you're going to call him, don't call him Pat. He hates that. Or Patty. Cut it out. It's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> next up here, next up here, QB5. Uh, pretty much the last man on the list. Uh, last man we're going to talk about today. There is Kyle Trask. A little shout out to the guy from Florida, who's going to be a really intriguing guy at the end of the end of the third, sort of the fourth in those super flex leagues, those twelve team leagues, and those sixteen team leagues. I'm just definitely going to take a shot because the upside's there. If he gets a starting job, maybe he's a backup for a Ben Roethlisberger or, or a project for some team, and he could. He, he's kind of like the uh, what's the guy that went to the Colts? Come on, guy that went to the Parts Colts last year. No. To the Colts last the, year. Philip Rivers? Eason. Eason. He's kind of like oh, the new oh, Eason, okay? The rookie. <laughs> yes. Yes. The guy that's never going to see the field. Uh, yeah. But right here, QB5. Um, I think we both love Mac Jones. Uh, he's 22, so he's a little older. I don't care about that. The guy's still a kid. He's 6'3", 214. He's got the requisite size. He's not athletic enough. Okay? He can't move. His pocket presence, though, is just second to one. I would say second to one because I can't put – Trevor Lawrence second in any category at this point. Uh, his ability to lead a huddle and to win a locker room is proven, and the man is smart as hell. He's got multiple degrees coming out. Um, he does come out as a senior. Uh, he comes out as a senior, right? Says here junior. Yep. Okay, so he 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 only got the one year start. A kit that he played a couple games last year, but he had one full year. But man, what a year! I know it's a COVID year, but they played a full schedule, and because they couldn't play other divisions, that's full SEC. Okay, this is supposed to be the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, as Brian would say. Uh, 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four picks. Man was electric. He won a wide receiver, the Heisman. Okay, putting up these stats. The fact that he didn't win the Heisman is a little, it's just rude to me. I feel like it's one of those things the NCAA is trying to do because it's a COVID year. They're like, let's just break all the trends. Right. So they gave a wide receiver the Heisman because nobody's won it in 29 years. It was almost 30 years. And you're going to see all these teams in March Madness get all these cra- these incredible seedings and all, all these ACC teams are shit because they're like, fuck it, let's, let's get the little guys a little love. Um, but Mac Jones is somebody that need, needs respect. Uh, he's going to get knocks on his arm strength. He's going to get knocks because his teammate score is so good. He's going to get knocks because he only had one year of production. But kind of like Brad alluded to, he's been there for multiple years. Uh, he played at Alabama, so that hurts him a little bit because they're supposed to win. Uh, but he, they did so in triumphant fashion. They went undefeated. They won the national title. His football knowledge his college production, his pocket presence, his leadership, his his just his intelligence. I'm a big proponent of Mac Jones. And the fact he's going to fall in the NFL draft kind of makes me think he might go to a team that it might help him, you know? Like Lamar Jackson was the 32nd overall pick. Would Lamar Jackson still be any anything good if he had gone to the Patriots? I don't know. Maybe I believe in the guy. But the fact that he went to a team that was ready to win a Super Bowl built for him, that helped. Um, so the farther you fall in the draft is not necessarily a death sentence. Plenty of guys going the second, third, fourth. We know the, the greatest of all time went in the fifth. So uh, I almost like that he's going to draft 
I, I, I really wish he hadn't gone to the senior bowl because he showed out. I was so glad when he didn't play because I was like, I don't need this guy creeping up boards because if I'm stuck <laughs> with him over Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, I'm cool with it. And now if I have to pick knowing he won't fall to me at the nine or the 10, and now it's getting sticky. Now you're going to have to call your shot. So um, I know you're a big fan too. Talk to me about Mac Jones. Yeah, he's my QB four right now. And, you know, other than arm strength, I don't have a huge knock on the guy. I, I mean, he is calm under pressure. He's got a, he's got uh, the, the timing down. He's got the vision down of the field. He can call the plays. He, he's got all of these things that you want out of a pocket quarterback, um, you know, and, and we've seen guys like um, we'll say Derek Carr, be successful in the NFL uh, and for fantasy purposes. And I see Mac Jones is very similar. He's a smart quarterback. He And the knock that people are going to have is, well, he had one of the best offenses in the game and he had the Heisman Trophy winning ride receiver and Jalen Waddle and, and Najee Harris and all these guys that made it too easy for him. Well, are you really going to hammer a guy because he finds the open guy? And we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, that he, he found the open guy. So, so why are you knocking him on knowing what his offense is going to do and knowing where the open guy is going to be? Uh, I, I don't see a guy getting 4,500 yards and 41 touchdowns on accident, right? You don't do that if you're not a, at least a serviceable starting quarterback uh, in college or the NFL. The guy had a crazy high rating uh, when it looks at intermediate and deep balls even. And people talk about how his arm's not the greatest. And I think some of that comes his, his deep ball passing grade is, is a little bit higher than it probably should be because some of that's due to his wide receiver play and the ability of those wide receivers to make plays on the ball uh, and adjust and whatnot. Um, but I, I mean, if you're looking at anything short to intermediate, he is 100% on target that dude is money throwing the ball and to your point if he goes to a team that just asks him to operate from the pocket and sets him up for success I think there there's no way that he's a miss uh to at least give you some good starting years as a quarterback yeah I think he's a hit as far as NFL teams too right yeah that's a big thing I love that you alluded to Derek Carr only because Derek Carr is more athletic than people give him credit for he's got more rushing upside than people give him credit for as is Mac Jones Max Jones 40 is going to be disgusting. His bench press is going to be disgusting. But if everybody clears out, there's no reason he can't scamper 10 yards before that middle linebacker catches him. Okay. The, the guy has done it. The guy has done it. And we watched it on the biggest stage. I mean, he didn't lose a game. And you talk about how good the offense is, man. If the offense is fantastic and your left tackle, left guard, running back, wide receiver is struggling or whatever, you can make it work. If your quarterback is shit, your offense is shit. It's over. It's over. Okay. So he clearly is good enough to write the ship enough to have one of the best offenses in college football. Uh, so that's going to wrap up the quarterback segment here. We're going to roll on to running backs. And again, these are my rankings. These are not his. Uh, and I got, I got Travis Etienne at the top here. I got him at the one-on-one. A big part of this is I believe that he will get the best landing spot. And I know that's kind of jaded. You can't really predict the future. Um, but I don't care if he gets a terrible landing spot. It's going to be my one-on-one at this point. Uh, we'll, we'll get to moving forward you know, as time goes on, but a couple 1600 yard seasons, he had 900 yards this year and only 12 games. It means he would have broke a thousand again. He's got 24, 19 and 14 touchdowns again in a limited season. His receptions went up 37, then 48 in the limited season last year, 
that screams Saquon Barkley to me. Now, I'm not saying he's the same guy as Saquon, but the, the development scheme and how he didn't really want to catch the ball. He was uncomfortable with it. He was uncomfortable with his hands. So what do you do? He kind of went to the coaching staff. They were like, you know, Sweeney was like, no, man, you're catching him. We're, we're running these. So figure it out. So what's he do, man? He hits the lab. He goes, he gets catches like 100 balls a day. He gets himself together, and it shows on the field. And uh, so I, somewhere between Barkley and Leonard Fournette for me, because Leonard Fournette at LSU, I watched him play, and, and as time went on, he was supposed to be the main. He couldn't show up in these big games because they were asking him to do a little too much. They were leaning on him a little too much. Everybody knew they were going to run. The advantage to – Travis Etienne here is that he had Trevor Lawrence to take a lot of pressure off. That's going to be another knock against him, but 1600 years, 1600 yards in back-to-back seasons, well over his way to a thousand yards again as a senior, they don't come into the NFL every year. Okay. They don't come into the NFL every three years we've been spoiled with the, the Delvin cooks and the Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Jonathan Taylor stats coming out were just disgusting. They were unreal. We've been spoiled. So people are going to discount him because of that. Cause he didn't get a 2000 three years in a row, uh, but this doesn't happen. Okay. Especially when your offense is prolific from the quarterback position. So it's not just you, you're a piece of the machine. Uh, his receiving upside, his speed, his, his size, He's, he's weighing, he's 5'10", 205, so he's not the tallest guy. He's got that lower center of gravity. He's got, he's got fairly decent contact balance, but that breakaway speed, man, he can blow, he can blow a play open, especially you give him the edge. Uh, he doesn't even need a full route tree, even though I think he's pretty good on the wheel routes and moving the linebackers and shit like that. Uh, but he doesn't even need it because you get him on the edge, out in space, good luck catching him. And if he's going to outrun your fast guy and stiff arm your big guy, I want a piece of that. So talk to me about Travis. I know he's not your one-on-one, but talk to me about Travis. No, yeah, but th- I think there's a good chance that by draft season he does, you know, he could move into that 101. Right now he's my my the second uh, running back in my rankings, but the guy's got everything that you want. He's got vision. He's got speed. He He's decent size. He's a little undersized for what I like to see in a starting running back, uh, but that's just personal preference, really, the style that I like to watch more than anything. Uh, but you can't argue with the guy's production in, uh, you know, a fairly decent ACC conference. Uh, and even in the college football playoffs, you saw uh, the, the skill set and his elusiveness and I I remember the first time that I watched him I was like okay this guy's really fast and he can run in a straight line really good Uh, but the more you the more that I watched the more I was like this this guy is very 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 good Uh, he's got extreme burst he's got good speed he's got good vision his contact balance is good he's just overall a pretty elusive guy in general Uh, and when you see that coming from a guy as a freshman uh, running for 1600 yards coming in and doing it again in his sophomore year and I know you like the sophomore breakout but swap that he broke out a sophomore year did it again as a junior and they came up just short as a senior because of shortened seasons because of the COVID you're right yeah yeah so so that sophomore breakout that you love so much and then it carries into the junior year and then you still see him producing a COVID ridden year uh, in in shorter games and and you got players sitting out here and players sitting out there and whatnot you know the the uh, uh, you know your standard prep for practice and games is different so you're it it only makes sense for you to see a little bit of a a change in a player's performance in this year but um I, I would say the one knock that I have on the guy is sometimes he looks a little too hard for the big play 
and, and that's going to hurt in the NFL big time if you get caught doing that too often because the linebackers are faster, uh, your safeties are, are bigger, your corners are bigger, and, and that's not going to work all of the time, right? Those cutback lanes are going to present themselves at times, uh, but, but sometimes he he looks a little for it looks a little too much for it, like a Barry Sanders kind of style, like. I want the big play and I'm going to run back and forth across the field as many times as I can until it gets, it opens up. So that worries me a little bit, but you can, you can coach that kind of thing out of a guy and it's not something oh. that's going to scare me out of taking him. Coach it out of him. So the, the names that come to mind when you say that Barry Sanders, I love that you brought that up because I'm a Lions fan, uh, but he's got that. Then, then it was Le'Veon Bell, the same kind of patience that's behind the ball. And then it was Todd Gurley. He was going to run to the left and then be like, fuck, it's not there. And somehow think he can run all the way across the field Except he did it. Except he did yep. it time and time yep. again. Um, and what you alluded to, the vision was really good, right? But sometimes he tries to do too much. He doesn't take what's there. Um, we're playing fantasy, man. I kind of like that. I want the big play. And when he's when he's trying to do too much and waiting for it to develop, he's setting up the second level before he gets past the first level. And so he's already ahead of the eight ball as far as processing at the running back position. We saw this with the uh, Miles Sanders two years ago. He had to return punts and work his way in and then finally blew up at the end. We saw this with Jonathan Taylor last year running up the back of his lineman because he expected him to move him out of the way and just wanted to explode through the hole. So we had to find a way to, to balance patience with taking what's there to make sure it's a positive play. So Travis Etienne's ceiling, uh, the, every name we've mentioned is not bad. There's, there's no comp I can come up with where I think he's going to bust. There's no comp I can come up with where I don't think he's a top 20, top 24 running back coming out of the gate. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's top 12. And going forward from 2021 to 2022, there's no way in hell I don't try and buy him in the offseason, especially if he has a bad year. Like He's that classic kind of uh, – we saw like four of them this year with the Gibsons and the Swifts and the Dobbins. Those guys in the, in the uh, Clyde, I know, I know. It's not the same talent level, the same kind of situation. <laughs> Clyde, where you see this guy have like a really good year but not to the level where people are just putting him up there with the top-level guys, which right now is Delvin Cook and Zeke, and next year will be Jonathan Taylor and Swift uh, and Dobbins and stuff like that. He's that kind of guy that's kind of a buy on the dip. So I have him at the 101. I'm completely comfortable with it. Uh, and I cannot wait to watch for him to develop, and I can't wait to see where he goes. But there's not a spot where he goes where I think he doesn't fit. And the next man on the list here, which I couldn't drop any further than two, he's going to be the one-on-one for most people, especially in the Twitterverse, because I, that's all I hear is that I'm an idiot. So it's great. Is Najee Harris. He's 6'2", 230, plays for Alabama. Somehow that gets this negative stigma. Like people forget that Derrick Henry played for Alabama, but he's a unicorn. I'm pretty sure Mark Ingram played for Alabama too, but again, like he's a special thing. So if there's another special character coming out of Alabama, that is Najee, man. And he didn't have the sophomore breakout. I'm all after, but his, his junior year when he officially got the keys to the kingdom, 1200 plus yards, 27 uh, receptions, you know, he scored 20 total touchdowns. And last year he blew up again. It was Mac Jones had a great year. He gets discounted. Devontae Smith gets discounted. Jalen Waddle gets discounted. Well, who's not going to get discounted? There's one guy that was a constant. It is my man Harris here. 1466 on the ground. Another 43 receptions at 6'2", 230. That's 43 receptions at 6'2", 230. Man scored 30 total touchdowns. I mean, annihilated it. Again, the fact that he wasn't even in the Heisman, really, really in the race is disgusting because Alabama was so good this year. And it's an all-SEC slate. They don't get to play Citadel. They don't get to play Christian Southern Tech, you know, Christian University of Alabama, Louisville, 
Lafayette or whoever the hell they schedule week 15. Like they don't get bunny games. Every team is at least a real program dealing with their own problems, but a real program. And uh, those receptions, 43 catches, man, for a man of his size, unreal. I will say that his route tree is not what I want. Okay. Doesn't have a real route tree. I don't think he's moving the linebacker. I think he's just kind of jogging out in space and seeing if they can get him the ball. Uh, Bottom line is they got him the ball. And if you throw it to him, he will catch it. Uh, he reminds me a ton of Todd Gurley because he's the same kind that doesn't have a ton of receiving upside until he does. Uh, when he went to the Rams before they, uh, you know, fired, what's his name? Jeff Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, Jeff Fisher. He looked like trash. Uh, he looked good, but it was like it's not the same. And then McVay goes in there and like, you know what? We just need you to, you know, do the Star Wars thing and lazily, you know, go to the left. Okay, we've got some killer maneuvers right here. I need you to slightly <laughs> go to the left. We're going to get you the ball out there. Then you got a corner and a safety. And uh, Najee's got superstar written all over him. Uh, he has a smaller <clears throat> amount of teams I want him to go to. However, the one team I really want to go to, I would be shocked if they don't pass on him, and that is the Miami Dolphins, man. Like, they got picked three and 18, then they got that early second. There's no way in hell they don't get this guy, except they're the Dolphins, and I saw him last year continue to pass on my guys, so. Uh, Najee Harris got superstar written all over him. I know you don't have him at the one-on-one either. We're both apparently just in left field out here this early in the season, but talk to me about Najee. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to tell you my rating of him until I get done talking about him because people just stop, <laughs> stop listening. So, so I look, I, I like everything that I see on film, right? But nothing wows me. He's just really good at everything. He's got good vision. He's got good balance. He can break tackles. Um, he sets up his blocks well. He can catch fine, but it's almost like a Leonard Fournette kind of receiving. Like he's not good at it. He just, you know, if you, it's not a clean catch, it's not pretty. He'll catch it, and there's enough space for him to use his vision and his elusiveness to to get some yards out of it. You know, I, 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 nothing it's this, this kills me and it pains me to say this. And I talked to don't say it to, then. to our, to our friends. Don't and, say it. You don't have McLovin. to say it. He is Derek Henry to me. I watch Derek Henry. And when I see Derek Henry, I'm like, eh, like he defies all odds in football. Like you can't sit there and tell me that you watch Derek Henry and you're like, man, ain't that guy good. No, he just runs people over and he's, He's got really good longs. Like, he just doesn't look good run for 2,000 yards. I know it's the weirdest and probably dumbest shit to say, but that's just the vibe I get. I could see Najee Harris running for 2,000 yards in a few years. I absolutely could because he's got the skill set to do it. I just see and worry a little bit more that he might fall into that Trent Richardson uh, vibe when he gets into the into the big league because he's not great at anything in my opinion when you watch um so I, I, you know he's my rb3 i'm not knocking him way down and taking some of these other guys uh ahead of him you know uh, some of these tier you know i don't wouldn't even say there's a tier two here there's more like a tier one and a tier three uh but uh, i i struggle taking him over travis Etienne, who when you watch the tape he's ex and he's fast when you watch some other guys they're just there's that wow factor and i don't get that out of him right now so let me defend the new guy for just a second anybody that considers themselves an expert that constantly 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 watches film constantly breaks down players constantly trying to find the comparisons 
the breakout players, the guys that are going to make it, the guys that aren't. At some point, you're just going to have to start making cuts, man. Not everybody can make the list. Uh, and when you watch film, the specific things you watch for, okay? Aaron Rodgers, I think, does everything wrong. I know it's oh so right, but I think he does everything wrong. I just alluded to that. Derrick Henry's also on my list. Where When I watch him play, I don't think he's very good at football. I just think he's such a beast. No one can stop him. It's ridiculous. Okay? It's unbelievable. He's a unicorn. It's so good. It's Hall of Fame good. It's unbelievably good. It's legendarily good. Najee Harris kind of fits that mold. So that's why it's so tough to drop him at all. Okay. It's just like he alluded to. I really like I I it's March. Okay. And so going into the 2020 COVID season, I said, look, I'm gonna really get into it, but I'm gonna take it as some sort of grain of salt. It's like the big ass salt that they put down to melt the ice when it's winter. It's the big Blue salt, like it's a big grain of salt, right? It's not some table salt shit. I'm still going to look at it, okay? <laughs> but I was like, look, man, don't get too overhyped. Really break down your guys and stick to your guns to, to a degree. Your guys still got to produce. And I had Chase and ETN and Trevor Lawrence at the top, and there's nothing so far that's absolutely going to change my mind. But there are questions now, and Najee Harris is the biggest question to anything I had you know, going in to draft season. And when the NFL draft gets done, I cannot wait to do this again because landing spots is everything. People, the ability to get on the field is everything. The ability to have that opportunity is everything. And the coaching staff believing in you is everything. And so as much as I love Miami, they still have multiple guys that they really produce well. And Ahmed and Gaskins, and he's got some sort of competition. It's just one of those workhorse type backfields. Uh, if he, it doesn't matter where he goes, he, if he goes to Atlanta and Atlanta buys in and suddenly he's going to get 250 carries and, and 50 or 60 targets, I know he's going to catch anything catchable. Hell yeah, man. Wheels up. It's just, uh, you can't go wrong between the two, but I got ETN over him. So next up, the guy that's at the end of the tier, apparently, because there's apparently three in, because I brought this guy in is North Carolina's Javante Williams, 5'10, 220. You love that. You love that. Okay. He had 933 as a sophomore, comes out as a junior, broke 1,000 yards. You love that. 19 on the ground, 25 receptions from 17 to 25, so you see the progression. You love that. 22 total touchdowns. You love that. The, the thing that screams about Javante Williams is that contact balance, and I can't even argue against it. As much as I don't like the man, uh, I, I think he's way overhyped. There's, when you watch him, there's no way to deny, hell yeah, dude, that guy is tough to bring down. That guy's going to be a problem at the next level. That guy is going to make – linebackers second-guess themselves, defensive linemen, defensive ends are going to overextend because they got to get out in front of them and cut that edge because you got to keep them inside the middle because you can't let them get out to the safeties and the corners because they won't bring them down. Like straight up will not, okay? Eli Apple and Jenkins and these guys are not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to cut it. So you're going to be counting on your safety and that's your last, last line of defense. So he's going to cause problems at the next level. Um, and he put up 1140 and 22 touchdowns in only 11 games. So he has a limited games too. Uh, he plays in the ACC, which there's a knock there, but people love acres. People love Dalvin cook. I mean, you can't just discount people. The ACC is still a real division. So Devonte Williams is an anomaly to me, mainly because of his teammate, uh, Michael Carter, Michael Carter, uh, junior coming out and 
putting up a little bit better yards for carries, way less touchdowns. He did it for four years. He's coming out older. So the, the argument between the two is a little bit silly, even though I like to make it. My biggest point is the fact that both of them were able to do that. We still have Duwami Brown, who people really like coming out. I don't even know the quarterback's name. I'm sure I'll know it. Uh, here soon because Britt will text me as soon as he hears that because I'm sure it's the blue trip prospect <laughs> for 2022. I'm in 2021 right now, my brother. Yeah. All right, I'm doing what I can do right now. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think the offensive line there at North Carolina is going to put out five, uh, three, three to five NFL caliber linemen. And so I think that's a big thing. I think the holes were big. Okay, I think the, the opportunity was there. And then when you watch him play, you just can't bring the man down. So it's tough to deny him because the film is so sexy. I just, you talk about somebody that does everything well and nothing great. This guy's just good. He's just good. So if he's the third wide receiver, he's our wide receiver, or our third running back. He's our RB3 coming off the board at the locker room, tlr.www.tlr.dynastyff.com. Um, he's a hell of a prospect, but I just don't think he has that kind of a lead upside. Just yeah. You argue with me. Yeah, so, you know, him and Najee Harris are very similar in nature to me, right? They both have really good vision. They have good contact balance. Their their speed, is, I believe, is going to come out pretty close to the same. Uh, they're both very elusive backs. They both have some receiving upside. Now, I know Najee Harris had 43 receptions, and Javonta Williams only had 24, but Javonta Williams was splitting with Michael Carter and had more of a yards reception and more yards in less receptions than Michael Carter did, right? So the argument for Michael Carter taking work, well, my argument is the plus, right? Javonta Williams was able to put up these numbers while splitting work with Michael Carter, who is a damn damn good running back right but but we're talking about Javante Williams when we talk about wow factor and I alluded to this a little bit earlier I want a physical running back and watching Javante Williams he runs violent he wants to hurt somebody and that coupled with the fact that you have good contact balance you alluded to it a second ago he's going to make that linebacker think a little bit okay is he getting ready to cut where I'm going to have to go or is he going to run me over I don't really know because he can do both and he does not give a shit he's just out to hurt somebody and it is beautiful to watch that is that wow factor to me that you don't see what Najee Harris, he doesn't violently try to run into somebody. He's got good contact balance and he just uses that to his advantage. Whereas Javonta Williams will use both of those things to his advantage. The fact that he's five foot 10, 225 pounds and run over somebody or the fact that, Hey, I know I've got really good contact balance and I'm going to keep the linebacker and the safeties guessing on what I'm going to do. Um, I, I love everything that I see from the guy. I, you know, I, I guess you can say ACC competition and he's got two or three linemen that are, are NFL caliber linemen and whatever. I'm not going to knock the guy for that. Uh, I mean, he still has to run the ball. He still has to see the hole. He still has to make players miss. And he's he does all of those things. Uh, I don't have a knock against the guy to not put him at number one right now. He's got the wow factor and he can do everything. So Javonta Williams is my RB1. We're just going to gloss over that for the moment, people. Uh, so he talked about, you know, the, the backfield mate, Michael Carter. Michael Carter is a hell of a running back. He, especially in college, he's, he's fantastic, right? And he's senior. He's earned his reps. There could be some sort of culture they've, they've derived there where they really want to give the guy that's earned his time his time. I mean, he earned it. Uh, but he still couldn't win the, the backfield straight up. You, you alluded to Michael, I mean, uh, Najee Harris. And, uh, you know, who's his competition? We don't even know. They didn't play very much. But there's a man named Trey Sanders that in Debbie Leagues, everybody's going to be chopping at the bit to get uh and you're going to know his name in a year or two so 
uh, it's very interesting to see how this plays out. He's another guy, landing spot, dependent, kind of, sort of. The contact balance is unbelievable. And he's going to make the second level think. He's going to make those defensive ends think. However, the NFL is fucking fantastic, and those linebackers can make tackles, and they're fast as hell. And, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think contact balance translates as well to the NFL. It's more of a, a fleeting, you know, statistic or, or metric. It's more of a fleeting metric than something like speed. Speed translates no matter where you go. Speed doesn't care if it's a home game or a road game or who they're playing against. You get the edge, you get the edge. Contact balance, you're going to have to be physically dominant. It's tough to do instead of an 11-game slate as he did, 13-50. It's tough to do a 17 uh, they're going to do 17 games plus the playoffs. You're asking a lot of wear and tear on somebody that's not really going to break big runs. He's definitely going to get hit. He's going to have to survive it. Uh, and the touchdowns are the most fleeting statistic ever. So uh, it, there's a clear tier break for me between one and two. And um, God, we just alluded to him for him. He's got him at one-on-one. So I love making comps and to me, his, his upside is a Marshawn Lynch. That's his style of running. He doesn't give a shit. He just runs people. He just wants to run people over. Uh, and he's really fucking good at it. Uh, and if you think Marshawn Lynch was a later draft pick, uh, you know, a late, was he late first, back in first? Or did he make it to he second round? To the second round. Did he make it to the second round? So, so you're looking at a very similar draft capital. Uh, I think he's going to fall to the Javante Williams is going to fall to the second round. Uh, and if he finds, and he's not just a zone runner. Right. He can he can run any scheme that you're going to ask him to. And I feel like he's going to fit in any run game uh, uh, that you ask him to go do. I don't I don't think he's going to be landing spot dependent unless it's a volume type situation for the real NFL. No, but for fantasy, I need that volume. So we'll see. Uh, But we've discussed this off air a lot, man. His rankings continue to change as time goes on. I think I'm going to talk him into things. And then by the time rookie season comes around, I cannot wait till we're actually on the draft in a draft together. We got. Three drafts together? Most of them I don't do. have picks, but one of them we're do. right next to each other. Yep. <laughs> right next to each yep. other. I have and so seven, then, you have nine, and I have ten. Yeah. I think is what yep. it is. Yep, seven, ten, and I got nine. There's another one he's got eight, yep. and I got ten. So it's going to be fun because then when we break down, because we're honest with each other. Um, at least I think we are, fuck <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So it's going to be fun to break down because then it gets real because – we're coming up on rookie season. I don't try it. When we do trade negotiations, it's hilarious because we get to a point where we're both like, nah, we can both get mowed. Go try and shear the sheep. And if you can't shear the sheep, we'll come back to the table and be like, well, maybe this is a lateral move for both of us that we're both comfortable with. Uh, you know, like I get a couple of years here. You're going to run back there. I got a wide receiver, whatever. Um, so it's going to be really fun. That's, that's why it was so fun to bring him on the staff. But we're going to move on here to our fourth running back. I think we can both agree there's a severe teardrop, at least from here. I think it's one, two. Uh, and then and then a drop to three in the rest. He thinks there's three up there. Uh, so as time goes on, we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll come around. Who the hell knows? Uh, but so fourth, these are not his rankings. These are mine. I got to keep saying that because he's going to roll his eyes over there as he's drinking his whiskey. Uh, I got I got Chubba Hubbard here at, at RB4, and I'm real confident about it. Uh, 2,000 yards as a sophomore. I'm a sucker for those sophomore breakouts. It It's my lifeblood. 22 and the 23 receptions, the freshman, freshman and sophomore, he fell off this year, and I loved it. I couldn't have loved a shitty performance more than Chubba Hubbard. He's got that breakaway speed. You get him in that zone run scheme, fuck yeah, dude. If he goes to the 49ers, do you think Mosert's good? Do you think Jeff Wilson's good? 
dude, Chubba Hubbard's going to just let them know, you know what? It's time to retire. Okay. Because the real man has entered the arena. And if you put them in like maybe, a, maybe in Arizona where they like to use more than one, but the upside's still there and the volume's still there. Hell yeah. I like that too. So Chubba's a little more landing spot dependent, but the right landing spot, he's going to shoot up draft boards, uh, go ahead of a lot of these wide receivers. 2,094 yards as a sophomore, 21 on the ground, 23 receptions, not a whole lot of yards. He plays for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's not like a powerhouse. And if you remember the offseason, look, COVID hits, okay? We don't know who's going to play and when. Uh, training facilities are pretty much shut down. He's a guy that just – he's a gym rat. He lives in the gym. He lives and breathes and eats. and It's his, it's his life, his football, and it was kind of taken away from him. And then his coach wore some pro – Donald Trump news agency crap or something like that. And he freaked out and said, you know what? I'm not coming back. Right. And his coach had to go talk to him and talk him back into it. But you know, the coach wants to kind of prove a point and he puts him in kind of a shitty situation. When I watch the tape, I'm looking, I'm screaming at the coordinator. Like, why the hell is it so telegraphed? What are you doing? Why can you not be creative? You were a year ago. This man blew up. I feel like you're screwing his draft capital because you're trying to screw him. And he didn't want to play. And then he had to come back. They played a limited schedule. They only played seven games, right? He put up 625. So you extrapolate that over a 13, 14 game season. Still a thousand yards, right? He had his eight receptions. It's still close to 20. It's almost the same. It's just a little worse, but it's driving me crazy because I feel like Oklahoma State absolutely handicapped this man. But to our advantage, as dynasty players, because when he goes to the NFL, there's more, there's no more of that crap, man. They want to win every game. I don't care what team we can talk about Doug Peterson tanking at the end of the season. Uh, we can talk about Miami trying to tank two years ago, even though that's clearly not true. They want to win games because that coach is going to get fired. And those offensive linemen want to make their blocks. I mean, they're getting beat up in the trenches. They want to make it mean something. And if you give this guy a gap, you give this guy a lane, you give this guy a scene, he's going to hit it like none other, like none other, even in this class. And that includes Travis Etienne. Chubba Hubbard's upside is right there at the top of the class. His downside is not making it in the NFL. And that's why he drops. Uh, but I love Chubba out of Oklahoma State. I loved him two years ago. I wish he could have come out as a sophomore, but they're not allowed to do that. So he came back for his, this shitty junior year. And I'm not going to hold it against him. And I hope that everybody else in my rookie drafts does. Because if I can get him at the back, end of the first dude wheels up man wheels up how you feeling about Chubba? yeah it, it's funny that you kind of talked about Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson because Raheem Mostert's kind of my comp for him right he's that one cut runner he needs an outside zone scheme he's not good at breaking tackles he's he's pretty weak in the lower body when it comes to that but I see him as somebody who let's say he gets drafted by the San Francisco 49ers I see a Clyde Edwards Hilaire type rise in the rookie draft for Chuba Hubbard. I see him going from the, you know, you have him at, at number five. I see him going from number five to number three to number four, somewhere in the right. He's going to jump and it's going to be a pretty significant jump. Uh, and, and I mean, I've got him at seven. And if he goes to that, I, he's got to move up at least three, uh, you know, at least three, maybe even four spots in, in my rankings. So uh, the guy has unparalleled explosiveness. He, I mean, it's one cut and go and he's top speed. He is stupid fast, uh, big time Canadian uh, track athlete. Uh, I, I believe he set some records uh, uh, while he was in Canada running track for high school. Like, I mean, this dude is stupid fast. Uh, but I worry about some things that need to translate in the NFL that is going to remove him from playing time. His pass blocking is absolutely pitiful. It is bad. So 
that is something, depending on your coach, who if you can't pass block, you will not be on the field, right? If you think Bruce Arians and guys like that, if you can't do what you're asked to do uh, to support your quarterback and protect your quarterback, you're not going to be on the field in certain situations. So I wonder, does does Chuba Hubbard give you the upside on first and second down that you need to be productive in in fantasy? Maybe, maybe not. I I, I don't know. It kind of depends on the like I said the system that he goes in. Uh, but like I said, he's RB seven for me right now. I, I could definitely see that going up. Um, but his biggest upside is speed and explosiveness. And and if you can't break a tackle. Uh, and, and there isn't a huge hole for you to use that speed and explosiveness to get through, you, there's a good chance you're not going to be successful. So he he really is, I think, in my opinion, one of the most landing spot dependent running backs in this draft. Yeah, there's no doubt about that because the upside and the, and the downside, are, are they're just hand in hand, right? I love that you said Mozart's your comp because when I said Mozart was my comp, you argued with me until the cows came home. And so we settled on Chris Johnson, but we yep. both can agree it's somewhere between Chris Johnson, who's <laughs> just electric 2000 yard seasons and yep. like Matt Breda who can't stay on the field. So um, all over the place, but once you get past those top two or three, now you're looking, you're looking for your shots. And if there's this guy that can bust out and make you look brilliant, like an Antonio Gibson type, it is Chubba Hubbard and people are fading him hard. Uh, RB5 on our list today, Michael Carter, Michael Carter Jr., 20 years old, 5'8", buck 99. He played his senior year, so he'll be 21 going to the NFL. Uh, he's the same age as everybody else, uh, even though he played four years. Uh, he's a little undersized at 5'8". Uh, I, I don't know what his speed's going to be because it's not a real combine. I don't expect it to be just absolutely like the world on fire. It's going to be sub 4'5", I expect. But when I watch him on film, that, that cut that he has – he cuts on, he dead legs. He puts that left leg out of his cutting to the right and he gets you to bite on that bitch and he pulls it back and he is gone. Okay. I will see the safety at the end 20 yards downfield and then we'll see what's up. So he's got that kind of explosiveness. And we talked about Javante Williams. He's had some huge games, two, 300 yard games. You watch the same game, the same game, but his teammate, Michael Carter uh, Jr. And he's doing the same shit sometimes better. He's just not finding the end zone. So he's a hell of a running back. Um, we have him comp to Breda or Mostert, right? He's one of those guys that's got – he's going to have his games. He's going to have his days, man. He's going to have his days in the sun. Uh, he definitely belongs in the NFL. He's going to find a niche. He's probably going to return some punts or some kickoffs or be a gunner on the side. Uh, he's not a three-down back. And so when you're in fantasy, these guys are great, great handcuffs. You got your Tony Pollard, your Alexander Madison, your Chase Edmonds, who I guess carried a little bit of value on his own because Kenyon Drake ain't the truth. But they're – all these handcuffs, that's Michael Carter, right? Jamal Williams. I am a huge Jamal Williams fan. I think he's crazy talented. He should get a shot. It depends on what the NFL thinks about you. And because he, he had to share the backfield with a younger player, because he didn't have all the touchdowns, because he was kind of a big play guy behind that great offensive line in the ACC. It's going to be really interesting to see where this guy falls. Uh, he is my RB5 because I just when I watch him, I can't deny it. When I check his tape, I can't deny it. Guy is an absolute beast. I mean, we're talking – thousand yards back-to-back season he had 1245 last season and only 11 games uh 20 plus receptions 25 21 25 receptions a season since his sophomore year so he's got the the upside he's clearly able to do it and he plays at north carolina where they don't really feed the backs and he's split in the backfield uh and the quarterback play is is it's par it's not subpar it's not great it's par um, so he's proven that he belongs his average eight yards of carry this last season. I mean, hot damn dude. So uh, I'm a big Michael Carter fan. 
at a price. And this is probably the part after Chubb is gone. It's probably the part where I'm going to start trying to look at the wide receivers. You, you tell me I can get Michael Carter at the mid second. You know, that's probably uh, today where I'm willing to take him somewhere up 204 past uh, kind of like a Zach Moss type where you hope he has the upside. You just hope he hits, um, but he's going to have a tough time winning a three down back kind of role due to his size, but his explosiveness is, is there and he's definitely going to have his days. Man, why do you talk to me about Michael Carter? Yeah, I, I think something that people don't talk about enough because, you know, something I mentioned earlier with Javonta Williams where he had more yards per attempt uh, or more yards per reception and more receiving yards is his receiving chops are real. Uh, he's got a route tree for running back. Uh, he's just a really, really good receiving back. And, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you can't tell already, I love doing comps. My comp for him is like a James White type of player, right? I really think his upside is in the receiving game. He's super elusive. And you kind of talked about that dead leg. His ability to start and stop is nuts. It is absolutely insane to watch. Um, so people are going to talk about, oh, well, uh, you know, when did he break out and this and that? Look, the guy's had two 1,000-yard seasons. His last two seasons were over 1,000 yards. He had almost six yards of carry last year. He had almost, I think it was 7.8 or 7.9 this year, basically eight yards per carry this year. Uh, and, and you see, you just see the skill set that he has, and it's very similar to a Javonta Williams. He's just smaller. And, you know, he's about 20, 20 pounds smaller, uh, but they're about the same, the same height. So, uh, you know, I think he can be a very, very good change of pace back. Uh, and I think your comp to Jamal Williams is a, is a really good one because he's a really good running back, but where he's going to kind of get his, his, uh, his game play is going to be in the receiving game early on. And he can run between the tackles. I, that's, why, that's why Williams is so good. You see Aaron Jones go down. I know it's a lead offensive and Dylan look good in the offense, whatever, but you see Aaron Jones gets down and Javon um, Williams becomes a smash play, especially in DFS. Like you just absolutely have to have him in your lineup. So yep. I think Michael Carter is right after the same mold. Um, there's a specific player where you're going to continue to fade uh, a few more spots and it's going to get a little bit of heat uh, as far as my as as far as my followers are concerned, especially on Twitter, but I'm going to keep fading him. We're going with Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State as the RB six here. Uh, his freshman year was it was outstanding. He's got that freshman year breakout. I've told you I'm not a fan of that. Okay, I'm not a fan. Right, you come out of high school, you're the hot commodity. Uh, you know, you, it's it's nuts that a freshman can do this. But I like the sophomore. If you can do a freshman and sophomore, then you go to the NFL. Badass. You're looking at Kenny Galladay's and stuff like that. Um, freshman, sophomore, junior. Having a rough freshman year, I can I can forgive. Having a rough sophomore year gets a little sketch. Having a rough junior year, you better have blown up one of those past two years. But at 5'10, 217, he's got the size. I really wonder what his sees what his speed will be. I bet it'll be somewhere around the four or five, which is totally serviceable. Uh yet 1380 as a freshman, 12 touchdowns, 25 receptions. Says that. That year, it's been a little bit of injury, you know, nine games and then six games. Like COVID in his junior year kind of broke it up a little bit, but a little bit of injury concern, and it's just been subpar. Now, his average yard per touch went up a ton in his junior year. Um, his average yards per reception went up a ton in comparison to his freshman season, but you're really just relying on that freshman season and the fact that he's got the requisite size and that he'll come with enough speed 
Now he's got to be a three down back. He's not, he's not Michael Carter where he's going to find his niche. He's not going to return punts or kickoffs or be a gunner. He's not going to make the team that way. He's going to make the team as a running back, which is kind of luck you kind of hate. Because it's tougher to project them being in the lineup and being manufactured some sort of touches. So he is absolutely landing spot dependent. He's got to got to go to a team that believes in him, that you know, puts their puts their flag on him and, and puts their stamp on stamp of approval on him and gives him the keys of the kingdom. Because if you give him enough volume, anybody can be good. Uh, I just think he's just straight up good. And when I watch his tape, I don't. I guess I have to go back to his freshman year. When I watched his freshman year, I'm like, hot damn, this dude is fucking juking people over, running this guy over. He's going to the end zone. When he gets tackled, it, it looks like it's a struggle for the defense. And then when, when he doesn't score, it's like, well, it's because the offense would did something stupid because it's, it's Oregon state, man. It's, you know, it's not like they're, they're reinventing the wheel out there. So you, know, you can't just run up the middle against, you know, five defensive linemen and then five linebackers. Turns out you probably should try to hit the edge. So, uh, but outside of his rookie season, I have a tough time. Gaging Jamar Jefferson, I know he's a hot commodity, and it's some of the some of the sheepville because uh, one particular guy likes to talk about him a lot. But we do have him plugged in here as our RB seven. Uh, I'm sorry, as our RB six, and I think there's a huge tear break, and then we're going to take our shots at some upside after this. But why don't you talk to me about Jamar for a minute? Yeah, I mean he's my RB five right now, and I think you could put his vision up against anybody else in the class, and he's going to put them to shame. His vision is elite. He can navigate, he can use his blockers, and then he's got really good quickness and agility, which is how he makes some of those plays that he has. He's got elite vision. I cannot say that enough. He's the best vision, in my opinion, of the class. Um, he's got good contact balance. Uh, I, I think he's a Chris Carson type, right? And, and you kind of said it. He's, he's not great at being a running back he's good at being a running back mainly that vision like i said is and I, i'm gonna keep harping on that the vision is what makes him so good at some of this stuff as he can see the hole hit the hole use some of that contact balance it's not the greatest in the class it's not top of the class or anything crazy like that but it's it's good it's good enough uh and as i alluded to earlier uh, with pass blocking for Chuba Hubbard. That's one thing where I'm going to give Jamar Jefferson a check in the boxes. He is a willing and able pass blocker as well. And I'm telling you, a lot of coaches love seeing that out of their running backs and will give them more playing time strictly because of that. So uh, Jamar Jefferson's my RB5. Yeah, we went with Chris Carson too. And a lot of that had to do with less with him being like Chris Carson, more of him being in that situation. You go and play for the Seattle Seahawks, Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, you can win that penny. DJ Dallas, I'm a fan of everybody there, man. Uh, Jamar's just as good. Uh, but he screams Keyshawn Vaughn to me. He screams right landing spot. He's going to shoot up draft boards. I wouldn't be shocked if Tampa Bay takes him because of what you alluded to. He's got that kind of – he's just so consistent, right? He's going to take what's there. He's going to wait for it to develop. He's going to try and hit the hole. He just doesn't show me anything over the top. And you talk about contact balance. I've been watching a lot of film. For a long time, whatever. I don't think he's got it because I think it's because he plays at Oregon State. And when I watch those guys, like, okay, people bounce off him. He absorbs the hit and he keeps going. They're not wrapping up, man. They're like throwing their shoulder at his at his thigh. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, yep. you can be 50 pounds less. Like, I, I played, uh, you know, a little, little bit of high school, a shit ton of middle school. I know it's middle school, but I was by far the run of the litter. 
by far the run of litter. And so when you're the run of litter in middle school, like you, you giggle all you want, but when, when you're five foot, 90 pounds soaking wet and the other dude's six, two, two twenty, you know, <laughs> we hadn't even eaten breakfast. It's giving tough him nut as, shots. On dude, the it is tough as hell to try and make that team and be like, coach, give me some looks. Uh, but you can make the tackle if you hit the right spot. You got to take the shoelaces out. You got to grab the feet, and scoop, and pick them up. And when you go through them, you got to lock your arms and pinch in the back, you know, in the in the, in the small of their back and try and fold them in half. You got to do this kind of crap. And when I watch this tape, I'm like, these motherfuckers are just trying to hit him. And it ain't working. <laughs> it ain't working. Turns out he's just as strong, if not stronger than you, and a hell of a lot better at football, which is why he makes our list at age 20, 5'10", 2'16". So RB6 uh, – very comfortable taking a shot at him uh, late in the second. Late yep. in the second. Um, That's the now, key. Yes. Late price, in the second. The price yeah. point. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of wide receivers I'm going to take, mainly because wide receivers see the field. Yep. The wide receiver four or five and still have value in some weeks and still have some pop and still have some, some trade value and yada, yada. If you're the running back, you're the, the guy, but you're not. And so yep. uh, Bradley uses his handcuffs like nobody I've ever seen. It's, it's brilliant. He uses his handcuffs like I use second-round picks. It's awesome. I've seen it. I'm like, hot damn, how'd you do that? And the guy's like, well, I just locked up Green Bay's backfield. And I'm like, I fucking guess so. Like, I guess so. It's, you, amaz- you it's amazing what you can get people to do. Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. But uh, he screams uh, late second. So I'm going to take some shots here, RB7 and 8. I'm going to take some shots on upside, uh, knowing that they got to put on some pounds. Um, but the, just the tape for these two, um, fucking fantastic. RB7 here, JV and Hawkins out of the University of Louisville, 5'9, 20 years old, 5'9. They got him at a buck 96. Uh, that's before the season started. I really hope he put some weight on. He did opt out of the season late. Uh, their coach took a, a, um, like an interview for another team and the, the whole team got butt hurt. And so he, he opted out two, two at will opted out and Cunningham was left all high and dry, but uh, Cunningham is like a wannabe Lamar Jackson's college. So you can want to be whoever the hell you want to be. Um, and so it, it was, it was this kind of run pass, let them let Cunningham do whatever the hell he thinks is best kind of offense. And so Javian was hung out to dry a lot. He did have 16 receptions, um, last season, even though he had limited games. Um, and so I'm going off the top. Let me get my freaking stats up here. Yeah, 16 catches last game or last season in eight games. Um, he had 1,500 yards as a sophomore. I told you I'm a sucker for sophomore breakouts, and that's a hell of a hell of a breakout in eight games. He had 822. That's over 100, 100 a game for those that aren't that very good at math. Uh, 822 divided by eight is more than 100. Okay. That it is. You can take that to the <laughs> bank. Okay. I'm pretty uh, sure that's accurate. We'll get a stack guy in here soon. That's my next hire. Uh, but he's explosive as hell. And when you watch the tape, man, he is, they call him the PlayStation, right? JV and PlayStation Hawkins, because he looks like just a juke skit, juke stick. This guy is making people look silly. He is running away from people. He's stiff arming people. He's dead legged people. He's got the spin move. He's got the jukes. He's got the vision. Uh, his breakaway speed is just, it's, it's better than it should be. It doesn't look like you should be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to get that edge. It looks like he's got you, and somehow he's jogging into the end zone on touch. Uh, he's done it for multiple years. I told you 1,500 last year. He was well on his way to uh, another 1,500 year uh, this season. And If and not receiving, more. If, well, if not uh, more. They, Louisville sucks. And then I, I mean, he was averaging more yards per more carry than, in half a, the game. He's getting 100 yards so, a game. Yeah. He just did the math. Well, it was quick math. It's, yeah. um, so – He's fantastic. He's undersized, played in the ACC, in a shortened 2020 season. Outside of that, man, fuck it, dude. 
RB7 seems like a steal right here. If I'm picking between this guy and Jamar Jefferson, it's going to be tough because if they go to the same team or the same kind of team or whatever, I'm going Hawkins 10 out of 10 times just because he can break a game open. And I watched it constantly at the University of Louisville. So uh, I've hyped him enough. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about Javian? Yeah, I, you know, I think my my thing is if I'm looking for upside, I'm looking for a guy who can be the lead back and get the work, right? And I don't see Javon Hawkins doing that. He was, the, you know, Louisville runs a zone scheme. So if he doesn't go to that, he's he's he can't run between tackles. That's just so not his skill set. Okay, is, let me just throw this. I'm going to interrupt you for the first time in the show. <laughs> if Javon Hawkins weighs in at 205, Right, two oh five, five nine, two oh five. Okay, it's nine pounds. He had a whole fucking year to gain nine pounds. <laughs> it's not, yeah. a, it's not atrocious. Is that going to be his playing weight, or is he just doing that? He's going to for... play at two twenty five. Yeah, this right man. here. If he weighs in at two oh five, you're telling me Javian Hawkins can't run between tackles. You tell he's no. I do, I do not believe he can run between man. the tackles. He's so. So much stronger than he should be. Five nine is a fallacy. It's about the weight. You need to have enough weight to absorb it and still yep. go forward. Like he hates Clyde uh, to an extent. I we do. talked about Clyde more than anybody in the world. I love Clyde because he's got that. He's five eight. It's too small. He's two oh five. Whatever. <laughs> he's not just going down. You're not lighting this man up. You're I not do. lighting him up. Okay. So he can run between the tackles. It's not a skill. It's not a strong yeah. suit. I don't see the strength. I don't think I don't believe he has the strength to run between the tackles. We're talking about JV and not Clyde. Right? That is correct. Okay. We're, we're, yeah, no, no, no. That, we're, yeah. <laughs> I think Clyde kind of proved that he could could do that uh, in, in his limited work that we got to see this year. But um, yeah, JV Hawkins, I, I don't believe he has the strength to run between the tackles. Uh, I, that's just my own personal opinion when you watch. Uh, but I mean, that's that's just difference of opinion uh right now he is way way down on my rankings uh because i think he is strictly going to end up being a a, a relief running back i i don't see a path for him to be the guy um i see him being a third down back at best so uh he's rb 14 on my list right now no doubt yeah. No doubt. I respect that. I think you know, this is a clear mustard situation. Okay. You know clear what mustard, mustard situation is? Clear mustard. No, you have I've no idea. Clear mustard before. Because I made it up. Nobody's oh, hurt right. in the world. Because <laughs> I ain't got to slow down. Y'all just got to catch up and mustard. You like Are it? you going to explain mustard? Yeah. I don't got to slow down. Y'all just got to catch up and mustard. Uh... Get it? It's like one of those. Uh, I got catch it yeah, I'm sorry. To, it if now. you gotta explain the joke, I need a new host. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we got no, we got a count good. between uh, Tariq Cohen, which is kind of your thing right there. He's, he's a change of pace. He can get 100 targets. He's explosive as hell. He's going to be part of an offense. Team Himes also comes to mind. Somebody that when he's on the team, like the coach says, me, like, how the hell do we get this guy the ball? Does it matter for fantasy? Is big. Okay. Yep. Does it matter? Uh, and my other count, the one that's true to my heart, is Michael Hart out of the University of Michigan, who this man doesn't even know who he is, which pretty much sums up the point. Look, he's he's, he's going to have his RB1 season at some point. He's a solid two. He's a solid handcuff, or he is nothing. Danny okay. Woodhead. I don't know who that is. Go I'm a little bit I'm old. Choose to know oh, man. Man. I have no oh, idea who the short, on, short white pass catcher that finally got paid and decided <laughs> to just roll his ankle and leave the oh, I have no man. idea who that is. <laughs> RB8. We're going to go with Kenneth Gainwell here. It's been a long time, man. 
Got to get to Kenny. Kenny G, my new Kenny G, because I know that Galladay is out of Detroit. 21 years old, 5'11", buck 94. Man, uh, had to sit behind Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard has proven he's got the explosiveness. Daryl Henderson, I still think is good. The, the, the verdict is still out. But when you watch him at, in college, like that's why I'm scared of Memphis running backs. That's what scared me off of Antonio Gibson, who this man delegated to the bench. Um, Daryl Henderson had like, 12 50 plus yard touchdown runs and when you watch Gainwell it's the same kind of crap he is just 100% owning you and the coaching staff and the culture out there apparently they they got a little mini powerhouse at running back out there in Memphis because Kenneth Gainwell I mean dude's got chops man Let's see, 1459 as a sophomore who I'm a sucker for 51 catches another 610 16 total touchdowns at Memphis they ran him between, they ran him a lot, 231 attempts. They ran him a lot. They ran him between tackles. They ran him outside. He produced 6.3 average a clip, but that's really, he's had a lot of ones and twos and negatives in there. And then all of a sudden he's just breaking the game for 20, 30, 40, 50 yard run, uh, gashing him in all phases. And he's got the receiving chops. He is an anomaly to me because he's a little underside, kind of like JV and Hawkins. I should probably bump him up. 5'11", buck 91. Uh, I might just do an on air and just put him over Jamar. Jefferson and just knock both him and Hawk and Hawkins down. But this man's fantastic. My problem is I hadn't seen him in a year. And so when you go get ready for the pros, I need to know who you're training with and what you're doing. I mean, we know Jamar Chase is out there at XO and we know that Bateman and stuff is out there. They're out there together. And so you kind of like that, you know, they they got the same kind of training reg, regime or resume or whatever the hell the word is that I'm struggling for. Cause I'm resume during a little regiment. A it's a regiment. Reggie Miller? Resume. Hey, man, it's French. You wouldn't know uh, nothing uh, about like that. It. Uh, so it's a like, regime. <laughs> a regime. It must be, it must be Italian. Uh, but he's fantastic, man. Kenneth Gainwell is fantastic. As far as prospects, as far as upside, I'm worried about Buck 94. He's got to weigh in at 205. Again, he's got to put on 11 pounds. That's tough to do because it's not necessarily your playing weight, which he kind of alluded to. You get these weigh-ins, and you're like, hot damn, that's low, that's high. What are you going to do? What, what happens when you're week 10, week 11? What if you catch the flu in week 10, and you sit out week 11 and 12, and you got to come back in week 13, kind of like a la Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where you just, you just lost too much weight because he was sick. Like, he couldn't eat the same. So – um, he's an interesting guy, but that receiving upside and the explosiveness is there. I got him comped. I don't even like it, but it's Tony Pollard because he just looks like fucking Tony Pollard to me. Uh, he he's just looks like the two that you want to own. It's going to be way overhyped, way overvalued because if this guy gets hurt, he's a one. And that's true. You know, he's going to go. I, I hope he goes to one of those systems where they can use him a little bit anyways, kind of like Chase Edmonds this year, which Kenyon Drake, where they got an aging running back. Maybe whoever signs Aaron Jones goes and drafts Kenneth Gainwell to be his change of pace so they can get cheap at the running back position on the back end. And then if, if Aaron gets hurt, it's a big blow up. But that's why he falls down to eight. Uh, he's somewhere past five, though, because I don't think Kenneth Gainwell can be an elite option in Dynasty. And I'm 100% aware that I could be just dead wrong because I watched Antonio Gibson be the darling that I wanted everywhere and that I went overpaid. I paid the tax for. Um, so why don't you talk to me about Kenny G? Yeah, I, this is the the hands down the best receiving back out of this class. No I mean, there, there is no one even close to the receiving chops of this guy. And that's everything. That's hands, route running, uh, the ability to create separation, 
and he can move with the ball in his hand. He can break tackles. He's elusive. He's got actually a decent amount of power for a back who's at 190, you know, 194, 195. Uh, I, I really like his skill set as a receiving back. Uh, I don't see his rushing capabilities translating necessarily. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, is he going to be a, uh, you know, like a Tariq Cohen type of type of uh, running back where he's just they're going to create space for him to be a receiving back. Uh, and and he's going to get the bulk of that receiving work, like a J.D. McKissick's type of style, like that type of player. Uh, that's where I kind of see him living, which is why he's number seven on my list right now. Uh, but, it, you know, he's so much higher than J.B. and Hawkins for me because he is truly, an, in my opinion, an elite pass catcher at the running back position. So, um, uh, you know, he wants to – He you see him run hard. You see him – break some tackles uh he he is explosive with the ball in his hand and teams are going to want to create space for him to do that i just don't think it's between the tackles yeah but the man had damn near 1500 yards as a true sophomore and made antonio gibson some sort of weird wide receiver hybrid who hardly even played like kenneth gainwell's ability is there it's yep. there if he blows up no one in the fantasy community is going to be absolutely shocked is it no one's going to be shocked. JV and Hawkins blows up. Somebody's going to be somewhere going, what the hell is that crap? Kind of to his yep. point that he he's not, doesn't have the receiving chops. Like he got 16 catches, which is way more than normal. That's not good. He played an offense that doesn't really feed him, so I kind of forgive him. And I've seen a few wheel routes and a few up and outs that he looks good enough that I think it'll translate better to the NFL than it did in the college game. But Kenny G, to his point, uh, he's putting linebackers on notice. Okay, you got yeah, the assignment to guard him. It's, it's like, <laughs> hot damn. This motherfucker is going to juke me out of my shoes. And Coach, even I think if I, I get, got cramps. <laughs> even if I got my hands on him, uh, he's going to take off on me. And uh, I do think he can run between the tackles. The thing is, like, we keep alluding to it. It's the NFL, man. Remember Ray Lewis? Just listeners. You remember Ray Lewis? You think you can run between the tackles in college and you get in the NFL and Ray Lewis will kill you. <laughs> they are on every team. So – it's a different kind of animal as much as we all think we love playing Madden and shit. And you're like, dude, he's fast as hell. And I'll just get a good center and I'll, I'll run a track play and pull the guard and I'll make it happen. In the NFL, they're like, fuck that. You know what? No, nah, man, I'm just going to get some big ass dude. Uh, who's 25, 26. <laughs> I'm going to pound and I'm going to bring him in on third downs, which is great. It's great for the NFL. It's terrible for fantasy. So the outside is there. Because if he gets a hundred targets and catches seventy of them, and I don't even care if he gets a single, if he gets a single rushing attempt. Now you have a wide receiver two or three at your RB position, which automatically makes him an RB two. So, um, love Kenny G. Uh, let's cover two more. I, we got. Let me give shout outs real quick before we get to this. Elijah Mitchell, 5'11", 218, coming out of Louisiana. He's a raging Cajun. He's a slash. He's a slam behind between the tackles kind of guy. A little bit of a slasher. I don't think he's got the same upside in the NFL, but I'm sure he's higher on Bradley's list than mine because because he's just so big. And then Ramondre Stevenson, six foot two forty six. This man's a fucking fullback, dude. This guy's Jerome Bettis 2.0. It's just, does that actually translate? Didn't even play till he was a junior. He played as a senior too, as Oklahoma. Uh, didn't never broke six sixty five as on the ground. He had eighteen to ten reception, which is pretty much just a dump off. They get honorable mentions here because they're so freaking big that there's a real possibility that they just make it in the NFL because it's just tough as hell to tackle them. 
And so they get those, they, they are the complementary piece to the actual lead off at the actual lead option, because when they're on the field, they wear down the defense and they allow your actual stud to go get his. Um, but we got two more on the list. We're going to talk about Jarrett Patterson here. Uh, he's next up. He's RB nine. He's a little bit of a love joy for me, but he's way down the list as far as my actual draft capital. I'm, I'm taking him in the third, uh, probably the mid third and no earlier. And I'm sure somebody else will come get him before that. And I'll be, I'll be butthurt, but I'll probably be happy in two years. So this guy plays in the Mac. He plays at Buffalo. I like those sophomore breakouts, right? Let's talk about his freshman year, 13 games, buck 83 attempts, right? 1,013 yards, 1,013 yards as a, as a true freshman. I know he's in the Mac playing for Buffalo. As a sophomore, he almost doubles his, his attempts. 1799. It's almost 1800 yards. I know he's in the Mac and he gets his 13 catches. And this year he only plays six catches or six games. He only plays six games, right? Still puts up a buck 72, 1072 on the ground. That's three 1000 yard seasons. And this one came in six fucking games. You're going to play in the Mac. You better be the man amongst boys because for you to make it in the NFL, a la Antonio Brown, you know you're going to have to just absolutely dominate, even though you're undersized and under talented and undervalued and yada, yada, yada. You have to earn your spot on the roster because you're just too good for them to deny. And Jared Patterson has that written all over him. Five, nine buck 95 is too small. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, he could put on some weight, but the bottom line is when I watch the tape, I know he's playing in the mat. He is the only dude on the field that I give a damn about. I don't care if they throw the ball and he's picking up a pass route, a, a pass coverage. He's blowing that linebacker up. He's not taking the hit. He's not making a block. He's lighting that motherfucker up. He gets the ball in his hands, whether it's a reception or a rush, and he's going to the house. If he has to drag half the team, he's going. If it's his own teammate, he's going. He does not give a damn. He put up 400-some yards in one game this season. I mean, six games. 1,072 yards. I think that's enough said. Jarrett Patterson's draft capital is going to be way too low. You just hope to all hell he goes to Seattle. You just hope to all hell he goes to plays for Pete Carroll where they want to pound the rock and he gets his shot because he could absolutely become a superstar in the NFL or he could become nothing. So talk to me about Jarrett. I know I'm way too high on Jarrett Patterson. Well, over him. Yeah, look, well, I've got him at number eight right now in my rankings. I'd take him mid to late third. I would throw that dart throw. I think he's like a an Austin Eckler type of ball player. I mean, the guy only had 13 catches and had 200 over 200 yards receiving last year. That That's insane. 13 catches for 209 yards. Uh, anybody who runs for 400 yards and eight touch, it was 409 yards uh, and eight touchdowns in one game. I don't care what conference they're playing in the, the kids got to be good. Right. Uh, now I'm not saying he's, you know, the, the next uh, Barry Sanders or Walter Payton or anything like that, but uh, the kids got the explosiveness he's produced every year that he's been asked to play. Uh, and the only, the only logical step for him is to make that, you know, try to make that jump in the NFL now. And I think there's going to be a team that gives him the opportunity to do that. Uh, I mean, he's got good footwork as a running back, which is really good that, that you know, Speed you want to see, I'm sorry, feet, work on this his, show. he's got good feet work, uh, which is important for a running back. Uh, obviously, when you're when you're coming to the NFL and you're talking vision and patience and things like that, his contact balance for a guy at uh, five, nine, one ninety five is is pretty, pretty legitimate. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know that I've got a lot of terrible things to say. Right. All the knocks on this guy is going to be like, oh, well, he played for Buffalo. 
oh, well, he's only five foot nine. I don't give a shit about how tall you are. Like, it doesn't matter to me uh, at the running back position. Uh, and, well, he got hurt the last couple of years. Or his freshman year, they get hurt his fresh. Maybe it was he just the year he got hurt. No, nope. he's never he played, been hurt. He played six games because I think they opted out the Mac and they quit. Playing. Oh, did they? I thought he got hurt. Well, Google mm. it. Google it while we're on yeah. the air. Yeah. So Patterson is a is a monster. So, yeah, yeah, I think he not, is an absolute steal in the third round of your rookie draft. He's probably absolute. at least at value because because this college production is too good. So he's probably not the next Barry Sanders, but there is a next Priest Holmes out there, and I wouldn't there be shocked. Go. Right? I, like I wouldn't be shocked, man. Undrafted, he's absolutely blows up as a Hall of Fame caliber career. Maybe not gets in, but this guy, I don't, I don't want to just throw Hall of Fame out there for Jared Patterson because I'm way too high. But it's like he doesn't have anything bad to say about him because there's nothing bad to say about this man. And so he went to Buffalo. Okay, it's a small school. He didn't get scouted enough. He he mentioned Eckler, who had to go uh, to close to home. I think he went to Colorado. That's the only offer he got when Eckler was there. He showed up. Everybody was joking after a loss, and he was pissed and lit the whole fucking world on fire and told him I'll shut the hell up. And let's get this together. And he turned it around uh, in his three, three, four years there. And then he goes to the NFL. And again, he's undervalued. And he gets a second contract. Again, he's undervalued. That's going to be Jared Patterson. He's going to be that guy on your team that never gets the respect that he deserves. But we're going to try and give it to him here on the locker room. Uh, the bottom line is, guy's a stud waiting to be. Uh, when you go to Buffalo, man, maybe he had bad grades. Maybe he went to a small high school. I mean, he talked about Eckler again. Eckler put up like 6,000 yards in high school and nobody wanted him. Like some scouts are bad at their job because they only look at specific schools and specific skill sets and they only want specific things and they're not looking for football players. They're looking for a six, two guy that weighs two twenty that runs a four, four. That's all they want. So yep. I'll, uh, yep. Ronald fucking Jones, who all is good. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are overhyped that shouldn't be. So yeah. what happened to Jared? Did he get hurt? Did he uh, yeah, out? he did. So he did get hurt in the Mac title game. Uh, his right knee, but he did return to the game with uh, a brace on. But I don't see any uh, recent news since the MAC title game on him. Which so, means he played uh, the entire season. It was just a six-game yeah, season. It was, more it was just point. the end of it. Yep. Yeah. So he just got banged up in a game. Then he's a running yep. back. Come on, he's fine. It, weird how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got one more guy on the list that I think at least deserves some sort of honorable mention. Now he played five years in college. That's a red flag. He didn't break out to this last year. He played for Virginia Tech. This is Khalil Herbert, played for Kansas for four years, transferred to Virginia Tech. He's 5'9". He is 205 because he had that extra year in college to put on those weight. That's what we want. JV and Hawkins and Kenny G and Jared Patterson to weigh at it. Weigh in at Jerry only played three seasons, so he's got a little more time, man. 23, 24, 25 years old. He could be the, he'd be a Marlon Mack type. Uh, 5'9", 205, though, after five years. 11, 83 on the ground. Eight touchdowns, only at 10 receptions. Receiving upside really isn't there. The reason we both are kind of high on this guy is because I think it was week seven. Uh, we were having a rookie on the rise um, pod for the fantasy affair, me, you, and Britt. And I brought brought up Khalil Herbert, and I was like, this dude's like number one total yards in the ACC. And I know it's only a couple of weeks, and some teams haven't even played at all. And you were like, yeah, he's good. And uh, Britt kind of brushed it off because he's a fifth-year senior. And I'm like, I guess that's fine. That's fair as shit, right? But now we get into rookie drafts. You're talking the end of the third, start of the fourth. Some people have five rounds of rookie drafts. At that point, you're just reaching, right? If you're going to reach for somebody, Khalil Herbert's got to be on your list. He's got to be in your queue when you got those fourth, fifth round rookie picks because you're looking for a guy that finally made his mark, right? He played at Kansas for four years in the Big 12, uh, eight games, 11 games, 12 games, then only four games 
at 43 attempts in four games. He was like, fuck this, I'm out. Goes to Virginia Tech Hokies, who have a terrible offense. And the ACC, ACC is not terrible, man. It's not terrible. It's better than the Big 12. And in 11 games, he puts up more than 1,100 yards, 7.6 per carry. I mean, guy kind of put his mark on it. And about halfway through, I think he had half, way more than half those yards. He had like 700 yards on the ground. And so it's like uh, they, they kind of stalled out, but he plays for Virginia Tech. What do you want out of the man at 5'9", 205? Hey, dude, they're all worse star throws than Khalil Herbert. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the guy? Yeah, look, I mean, everybody looks at, okay, well, let's look at the last three years of production. 499 yards, 384 yards, 1,182 yards. Okay, he's a fifth-year grad student transfer breakout. That's not true. If you look at the four games he played in Kansas before he transferred and then had to sit out the remainder of the year, he was dominant. Nine yards a carry, uh, 43 carries, nine yards a carry for damn near 400 yards rushing in four games. Um, that's He was lights out. He was excellent in those four games. Transferred, got the opportunity at Virginia Tech. He's he's very powerful running back. He's elusive. Um I feel like he is very similar to like a Jamar Jefferson uh, in the style of play, Um, but uh, he's not in my rankings as high as Jamar Jefferson because of that age factor. Right. Uh, And because, uh, you know, it's hard to judge how teams are going to take that into account. It come draft season. So what's the capital going to look like? And and I could see a world where he rises a little bit in my rankings right now from number 10 uh, up a little bit. If he lands in the right spot in a, in an organization that's going to give him the opportunity to touch uh, to get, get some touches. So. Yeah, no doubt. Quick and quick, quick and short to the point, right. because when you get past, okay, this draft class quarterback is five deep. We didn't even talk yep. about Kyle Trask. He's number six, but it's five deep. I expect all five of these guys. Last year was the, the year of the quarter, the year of the running back. This year it's the year of the quarterback. I expect all five of these guys to start a game this season. If there's one you're going to take off the list, it's Trey Lance, and he may have the highest upside of them all. Like I may, 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 yep, may have. So uh, it's five deep. When you get to the running back position, it's one or two. I got to. He likes to throw a third in there, and neither one of us is going to argue. Once you get past that third, you pick your guy, and that's your fourth, and you cannot say there's going to be five. Because if you say there's going to be five guys that are top 20 this next coming season, the top 10 this season after that, you are just fucking reaching, my man. Because yeah. there are so many people coming out of this year, plus all Zeke's not ancient. Kamara's not dead. Delvin Cook might get hurt a lot, but maybe he doesn't one season. I'm just saying that. And Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are coming back. There are plenty of running backs in the NFL right now that got that are the truth. So I think there's two. I think there's two. It might not be our two, right? Might not. Might be one of these guys on the list, but it is really the year of the quarterback. So coming up next, we are going to break down the wide receiver position, which is wide open. We're going to start with the tight end because it's so quick and to the point, kind of like this. We're going to talk about Kyle Pitts. We're going to talk about the other two, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Brevin Jordan, and past that, we're just going to talk about like all the wide receivers because we have some shots we want to take just because we know they're going to see the field and it's not warranted, but that's why we're here for you. So we'll get, <laughs> right. we're getting you ready for your rookie draft, and we're really excited about that. Um, we're going to wrap up our Superflex mock draft theory this week, so it's over. I'm sorry. It's been redundant. It's been repetitive. It's done. It's done. Okay, I had it all recorded. I had promises out. It's over. 
We're going to move on. So Sean and I are going to do our dynasty rankings. We just did quarterbacks. We're going to do our running backs, our wide receivers, our tight ends. It's going to be quick. It's going to be to the point. Uh, and Bradley's here for our rookies. And then once we get past this NFL free agency and the NFL draft, shit gets real, man. We've started putting values on stuff. We're going to do some trade pods. We're going to bring on some special guests. We're really looking forward to us. Again, www.tlrdynastyff.com. www.tlrdynastyff.com. TLR underscore Dynasty FF on Twitter. I am at Eric Burkholder6. Brad, where can they find you? I'm at FF Bourbon Dude on Twitter. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. No, it's bro. Did you just say brah? Yeah, because yeah, you said bra. you're fucking bourbon dude. Yeah, brah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> bourbon dude. Yeah, it's going to change. It's going to change like it's ranking. Uh, <laughs> Always. You, if your rankings ain't changing, you ain't paying attention. I already paid attention. <laughs>